welcome to the Six Again podcast, your new destination for all things NRL. Here to bring you everything from team news to best bets are your hosts, Adam Hoy and Jared Mutton. Let's kick off. Hello and welcome into the Six Again podcast. Uh, welcome in if this is your first time listening. Welcome back to our followers who are back for more punishment. Uh, my name is Adam. I'm sitting here in my Sea Eagles jersey and hat. Um, on the other end, stifling a yawn right now because it's eight forty on a Monday night, and um, <laughs> we're so old. We're so yeah, old, I got my yeah. pa- I got my Palmy Devil shirt on, oh, representing yeah. the old club. Love it. That's old school. Jared, Jared's over there with his Palmy shirt. I haven't worn my Palmy shirt in ages, but I'm getting I'm getting one of my jerseys pinned up in a frame to put up in my new study, which is going to be pretty sick. That is pretty cool. Oh, I'm looking at my new blank wall. I might use that as my jersey wall. That'd be a sick idea. Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, Maddie, allow, see if Maddie allows you first. No, no, this is in my study. I'm back in my oh, study I actually, now. Um, I actually heard some good news about you two on the weekend. Oh, God. Well, how, how many years married now? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's wedding anniversary. Uh, 11. It was 11 Jesus years Christ. on Saturday. Wow. Oof. What'd you do? We went out to what I thought was going to be a Korean barbecue. It was actually a Japanese restaurant that no longer had barbecues there. Um, <laughs> I went there a few years ago with some mates and it's one of those where you cook your own food. They don't do that anymore. So Maddie's not a huge fan of seafood and the menu was about five pages long and there were two things on there that weren't seafood. So <laughs> A, Maddie had an easy choice and B, she didn't have a great choice to choose from. So shows how much I know her after 11 years. All kinds of fun. Did, did, did you both enjoy each other though? Yeah, it was really fun and the food was really good. And because it's Japanese, it's cooked really quickly. So I think we sat down at 7.30, we were out by eight and we'd had, I'd had two courses, we'd had a drink each and then we went and got dessert at an American dessert cafe basically and had a double peanut butter waffle. Massive, yeah. So yeah, it was a pretty actually pretty fun night in the end, and um, yeah, and then in between that, got to watch some footy. Not a whole lot going on outside of a um, little bits of COVID here and there. News got schooled, moving back to or moving to the Bulldogs. Oh, I guess moving back, he used to coach and play. Yeah, and uh, Vlani's just letting slip that Bron- uh, Brisbane could be a possibility for the grand final if COVID doesn't get under control in Sydney. And as we both live in Queensland, it's pretty good news for us. Yeah, that's awesome, actually. All right, I don't have a beer for tonight because I'm feeling a bit under the weather. I've been for the last couple of days, so... All that Japanese rep, all that Japanese food. Oh, that's... Yeah, that's what, no, that, I actually felt really good after the dinner. It wasn't bloated or anything. It was just like... It's nice probably because it beer. wasn't cooked in oil. Yeah, that's probably what it is. Such they don't cook that shit in oil, so yeah. Such good food. Talking about cooking... Um, in from the cold and the underscore irk seven out of eight on the latest round of tipping. Uh, so for round 18, uh, there was one other there as well. Sorry if I'm just printing out the page here. Oh, sorry. One other, there were six, one, two, three, four, five, six. Now that I've clicked the button to put all the top tipsers to the top, um, six tips has got seven out of eight. And yeah, that's crazy. I got five. I knew I was in bad shape um, Saturday night, I think. I started really well, but yeah, I ended up with five as did Jared. Um, so that's not really helped me out. Dropping back 
quite a bit. And with that seven out of eight, I believe the underscore URQ, so the ERC is on top on 108 points by themselves. In from the cold is on 107. Methodical Flamethrower on 106. Billy Bulldogs, Ben Liner on 105, sorry. And then one, two, three more on 104. So there are a lot of people still in contention uh, with seven rounds to go. On the streak competition, I always love saying that. It's like I'm the best streaker. I'm up to a current streak of 15 correct tips. You're an idiot. Why is that? You're a streaker. Oh, yeah. Um, and Ben Liner is on 13 as the second longest streak. So, oh, I'm holding on there. My, my uh, tactic of picking Storm and Rabo is pretty much every week is working in my favour right now. So we're going to start collecting, putting together a merch pack for the, the winner um, of that tipping competition. Nothing else really, until, to, so we may as well get into it, eh? Mm. Sweet. Um, we'll be back with our Off The Ruck segment. Ooh, so Off The Ruck is where we talk about everything that is going on off the rugby league field. And we'll start with that Flandy's comment saying basically anything is possible with regards to where the grand final will be held if Sydney cannot uh, control the COVID outbreak that is happening once again down there. There was talk about this happening last year. It wasn't required because it all got under control by October. Um, makes sense though, eh? Suncorp would be the oh, yeah, most likely it, it, destination outside of Sydney. It, They've been pushing to have a grand final there for five, ten years. Um, the only thing that's probably stopping it is the NRL has actually signed a contract with the yes. New South Wales government to have the grand final there for the next 25 years. I don't know if there's a plague clause in there to stop it. Uh, I don't know if anyone had that kind of foresight, but it would be On the foresight of a um, global pandemic. Yeah, well, I don't know if that's in contracts these days. I haven't seen it. But um, is it justification enough to pull it? Because yeah. if it is contracted without a play clause, which the only reason you can pull it out for something related to a play, um, will the New I South would... Wales government have to go, no, we cannot have it. Here you go, Queensland, you have it. Yeah, like, I would see this within unforeseen circumstances. Yeah, uh, like I natural play course disaster, is obviously very specific. That um, sort of stuff. But I think, no, it's not natural. It's all the idiots running around. Um but natural. I tell you what, the Queensland government must be loving life right now because the amount of money getting injected into Queensland with AFL rugby league basing there and you know free games at Seabus Super Stadium, multiple games at Sunny Coast, and then don't forget Suncorp. Um yeah, the Queensland government must be licking their lips with what's happening now. Yeah, it's interesting seeing a lot of the, a lot of bitter commentary coming out of Victoria and New South Wales with regards to Queensland being handed everything on a plate. Like, it's not, it's got nothing to do with that. It's just, this has been the well, state at the moment that's the safest for um, sport to go ahead in. That's literally so, it. Yeah, I, I rarely, rarely get shut down, but. Um... During my one of my more patriotic times during the origin period, I got an argument with someone saying that um, 
Origin should be free games in New South Wales next year. And someone turned around to me and went, well, it's not Queensland's fault that they could actually stay indoors and there wasn't mm-hmm. um, people spreading the virus. So for the people who think there's a new, should be a New South Wales free games there next year, it's the people on the ground's fault. Yeah, it's, it's, it it's exactly. And um, the same people saying that sort of stuff, uh, landscapes change and rugby league in Queensland over the last 10 years has been the higher crowd numbers, greater turnouts, better viewing audiences, all that sort of stuff. But New South Wales is still going to have the grand final forever. So I don't know what they're really complaining about if it's a one-off year. I agree. I think James Graham knocked it on it, knocked it on the head. If you've got the opportunity to play the grand final in front of a crowd, it wins over <laughs> a no crowd any day of the week, regardless of what clause yeah. and stuff's in there. You're playing the grand final at Suncorp in front of 52,000 instead of playing at ANZ in front of nobody. Uh, it's, it's I, I know this would sense. never happen, but... I really hope it would be there because we'd be there regardless. I, I would love the highest ranked team earning the grand final venue. Um, that I reckon that'd just be awesome. So Each year? You, well, yeah. Like, no imagine... Way. Imagine if Broncos came fourth and they played the fifth person in the ladder and they played it at Suncorp. That'd be bigger than Origin. Imagine... What? What are you talking about? Imagine if the highest-ranked team in the grand final yeah. got the home, got the, got to play the grand final at their home ground. Oh, okay. I don't know why you said fourth like, and fifth. If that's oh, where, you're saying that's yeah. where they ended up on the table and they both ended yeah, up yeah, in the grand final. Like, you know... Imagine going to how big Newcastle would have it if they oh. might, like played a grand final. Manly. Oh yeah, all twenty thousand people packing in a. Oh, I don't. That's, that's my point. That's why I know it will never happen. But it, it'd just be epic. Like it should be there for semi-finals and that. The grand final that, needs Dad, to be the biggest venue available. Dad used to tell me about him sneaking into Suncorp Stadium back in the day during Origin games, mm. and they used to sit in the rafters to bloody watch it. That's when footy was made. Like that's when the reputation yeah, of origin I, was made. And and I know, like I said, I know it will never happen. But just that unbelievable atmosphere of something like that, you know, happening would put the interest back in the game a bit more. I reckon that's what home finals are for, not home grand finals. So yeah. Moving on to the next big piece of news. So Phil Gould has joined Bulldogs as head of football, a football manager. Uh, during the week and I was a bit outspoken when I first saw this online and apologies <laughs> to anyone um, before I read the <laughs> finer details. The Bulldogs did approach Gus Gould around Magic Round about taking up we a role about that. Uh, with Canterbury and he declined because he was still with the Warriors. And then uh, with COVID and everything going on, the travel restrictions of Gould being in New Zealand to Australia, etc., was making it hard for him to fulfil his duties there. So there's been an understanding between Gould and New Zealand management for him to cease his role at the Warriors, and he's now picked up the role at Canterbury. He did coach Canterbury in the 1988 grand final win. He played 40 games there as a player. He understands the club, and he understands that it is a marquee club in Sydney. When the Bulldogs are doing well, generally rugby league is doing well. It's a big feeder. We're struggling right now, are we? Yes, with numbers <laughs> and crowds and all that sort of stuff. But that, that happens, it ebbs and flows. And it's going to be interesting. He comes in a very 
I think, good time for the club. They're in a state of flux. They're coming out the other side of all those back-ended deals. They've only they've still got 12 of their top roster at the moment not signed for next year, and there's a big number of those who won't be signed for next year. So he has a lot of holes to fill in the roster. He has a lot of salary cap to work with. Um, you combine that with the local development pathways that are there and that he'll look to strengthen over time, plus the marquee signings that they've already done with regards to Adekar, uh, Matt Burton, and who's the other one to a lesser extent that they've done recently in the back line. Oh, you wouldn't call it marquee, but Brent Naden. Um, yeah, pretty much. Nick Kotrick as well. I know he hasn't lit the world on fire, but he was. Yeah. So it's a, it was given the blessing to move by the Warriors. Um, they can still request help from him uh, if and when required. But Bulldogs are going to be his priority now. And he'll be looking to do something similar there to what he did with Penrith with regards to the development of talent, retention of talent, growth of junior pathways, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, looking at the list of players who are off contract. So Gould hasn't met some of these guys face-to-face. It's just been Zoom calls, et cetera, due to COVID. His first project by looks of it is securing the services of Tavita Pangai Jr. So Broncos have said that they're willing to release him early to free up some salary cap. The Tigers are also in on Pangai, but they require a decision before August 1st so they can bring him to the club for this season, uh, whereas Bulldogs would be starting a contract next year. So either way, Gould wants to get that conversation wrapped up to make decisions moving forward. Outside of Tavita Pangai, they're looking at Dragons sack prop Paul Vaughan and have requested information from the NRL when his... Uh, Eight-match suspension will start. Has it started already, even though he's been sacked? Will it start once he signs with a new club? They want to get that with them. They want to get that organised because obviously they can sign him now. Um, Seven games left of this season. He'd only be serving one more next season. It should be be when he signs with a new club, so it should start next year. Unless he signs with a club this week or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he should start when he signs the dotted line, in my opinion, anyway. So uh, I was just bringing up the so players looking off contract at the Bulldogs. So when I say they're in a state of flux, basically he's coming in with as close to a clean slate as you could get as a head of football, head of recruitment development. Um, Jaden Ockenbaugh is one of the 12 that is securing a two-year extension or coming close to it. Will Hopawadi is at the same stage of neg- negotiations with St. Helens. So it looks as though Will Hopawadi is moving on. Um, they've just re-signed Tui Katoa, their rookie winger, onto a one-year deal. But you've got Dylan Narfa's contract coming off the books. <coughs> probably won't be re-signed. Lachlan Lewis coming off the books. Probably won't be re-signed. Nick Meaney's going to Melbourne. And then you've got Dean Britt, Christian Crichton, Tyron Harding, Sione Katoa, Afeki Ogden, James Romanus, Chris Smith, and Renuff Atoni. Um, all unsigned still. So... He lets them all go. He's got to fill those spots somewhere and from other teams. So it's going to be quite a busy period for the Bulldogs through the rest of this season into the offseason. Is there any downside to this signing for the Bulldogs? I'm struggling to see one. Um, Anything from you on that, Jared? Good signing? 
Uh, see, I'm not happy. I, I think Gould is a bit of a... He only jumps in when it's positive kind of bloke. Um, so... I love I love field goal. I listen, I can listen to him all day about nuances of rugby league, how things happen in the game, um, what players are doing and what they need to do and to improve. I love that kind of stuff. But that's where the line stops. When he starts talking about the broader game and what needs to happen, that's when I get the hits with this bloke. Um, my biggest thing for him was in the last 15, 20 years, he... Um, was criticising the New South Wales team after every series loss. I know this needs to happen, this needs to happen, this needs to happen. Um, But the amount of times he was reached out to to assist, because this guy, this bloke's the most successful coach in New South Wales history, he never agreed to help out. That really annoyed me because, you know, if anyone in a Queensland in that held in that regard, were asked to assist in any way. Like Mal Meninga came in last year, even though he was the Australian coach, they assisted. Um, on the other hand, with the Warriors, he said for years and years and years and years and years that um, Warriors should be the strongest team in the NRL because of the local talent they can actually grab. You know, they get a few blokes from Union. We said this when he did sign that if he gets a few blokes from Union, there's amazing talents over there that's going to make the Warriors formidable moving forward. He had the chance. He was there for about, what, 14, 16 months? Um, That was my opinion on it as well, but I think... Well, see, he's gone. And they're saying it's code, which is, you know, fair enough, 15 years ago. Now, you got videos, you got everything you can look at. You've got um, all sorts of technology. Most people are doing everything over Skype and Zoom these days anyway. Yeah. So he's got the technology available to remote service his job. And with how much he's talked about the fact that he wants to make New Zealand a powerhouse, and someone, and he said it before, someone should go into New Zealand and try and create those pathways. And he's created the academy over there. I'll give him that. Stacey Jones, Adam Blair, mm-hmm. and I think it's Tony, Tony Iro are leading the New Zealand Rugby League Academy over there, which is fantastic. But this bloke was signed on the agreement. He's going to be there for to see the whole thing through. He hasn't. And as you said, Bulldogs are on the up now with the roster management they've got with the salary cap that he's picked up. Um. I don't know if he fought, put the Warriors in too hard of a basket and then found the, found a way out of it. I don't know. Um, but I'm not overly happy about it. Because he's 100% right. The Warriors could be absolute powerhouse. It's ridiculous they're not. And that's where he went to do it. And 14 months is not enough, hmm? in my opinion. Yeah, I, 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 get, I can value heaps uh, of the points within your opinion there. I, I was thinking that's where I got jumped on in media. Like, have you seen the reason why he's leaving? It's a mutual agreement, rah, 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 COVID. But I hadn't then gone that extra step and thought about, well, yeah, you can do your job remotely. Like, as an ice hockey fan, like, are. scouts that are hired to pick up talent from all around the world have been doing so via video because you can't travel. 
which is completely different to being able to scout in person. They're all doing this for the first time in their lives. And there's a hell of a lot more on the line over in, in that sort of world than what we have here. So yeah, I hadn't thought about it from that point of view, but for the Bulldogs, oh, they've done like, a really good job in picking up someone yeah. who's going to help their club move forward. I, I just think during the origin period, he knew New South Wales were never going to win. And Oh, you got to get over that. It is gone. No, no, it's annoying me that he, he just said it so many times that they should be doing this, should be doing that, should be doing this, and this player should be in pick. Well, go help, mate. That that was my issue with him. Yeah. Um, I moving forward. So Annesley over he does his weekly review of talking points in rugby league. Um, he's come in and said that teams are risk gonna be risking a simbin for giving away deliberate six against. So this was brought up in Queensland's victory over New South Wales in the third game that they were slowing down the ruck, they controlled the ruck, and were willing to give away penalties at the start of sets due to offside and sorry, willing to give away six agains at the start of sets due to offside uh, in order to get the defensive line set. I've got no issue with it because that loophole was there when they put the rule in and as their coaches and teams are exploiting it. I don't know how Annesley can come out and say that the refs have the sim bin up the sleeve if they deem it necessary. How do you determine when it's deliberate and when it's not? That's one thing. So that's a complete gray area. And because the teams aren't going to do it repetitively down the field, it's not really a repeat penalty because it won't happen again until say two or three sets later when they're back in that situation. Um, see, see, I, I, I want to, what you said there on purpose. Um, I don't, I wouldn't have cared if it's on purpose or not. I reckon yeah. if you get three, six agains in a, let's say five, eight minute period, someone simbed last yeah, defender or the captain. But it could be six against for completely different reasons. That's doesn't matter. Because he's only talking about giving away offside six against at the start of set. That's oh, what they're talking okay. about. Okay, if you want to get on specific like that, but then you give one six again for offside, then run ruck penalty, and then whatever else is six against yeah. for, it's just going to become a thing. So if, I just think that you put a blanket rule in a period, three six against, last defender or captain Simbin. All right, I still maintain if you Simbin a captain for something like for a disciplinary issue, no one's going to do it again. I, I don't know that. if you can. I don't know if you can put in a certain number in a certain time period because every game's got its intangibles and variables that you can't uh, account for when you do a blanket rule or a blanket time like that. See, that that's that, that's also an issue in rugby league because there's so many grey areas, and you're creating a grey area by saying that because there's so many variables and tangibles. That's what I mean. That's why you but if have you if you with. just put your foot down and go bang, this is it, and what there's they no questioning, there's no anything like that. I would respect that more than people's opinion. So what if they do two in the last ten minutes of the first half and one in the first ten minutes in the second half? So that's in a 10 to 20 minute period. So, so it's I a, a five no, day. No. In so, all right, so last five minutes of the first half, first five minutes of the second half. It's not going to change the flow of the game at all because you've had the halftime break anyway. Oh, any Simbin's going to f- change the flow. No, no, no. I mean, giving away the three penalties. Oh, yeah, but... Yeah. I, I don't think you yeah, can put straight a up, set Simbin. number. No, it's not going to work like that. Oh, um, there's only one way to cut it out, and that's going hard. And they tried that early in the year with the, Simbin, with the send-offs for the high tackles. They're letting a lot more go now. But yes. I do believe there's less high tackles now. 
um, than there was six months ago at the start of the season. I'll say that. Especially there's a le- lot less high tackles now than there was in Magic Ground. I just, I just think there's only one way. And for, the, for these guys to not manipulate the rules anymore, don't leave a loophole to manipulate. It, it, but this rule, I think there is way too many loopholes. And after they close this one, another one's going to pop up. These isn't just oh, that's just rugby it. league day, unfortunately. So one thing that did annoy me though is that there's players and coaches said no, we're not, we're not doing any of this in coaching um, during the game uh, during training. Angus Crichton said when we do our reviews. Uh, Robinson rips whoever gave away the six again because it means we are making one extra tackle regardless. But what I took issue with was Graham Annesley and his explanation of it uh, when talking about referee judgment and all this sort of stuff. He says the referees have to make a call on these things. They're doing it based on what they think is appropriate in that game to try and give both teams an equal chance to display their ability. Combine that with Trent Barrett. Um, he made note that Trent, Trent Barrett contacted him after a lopsided penalty and six again count in Sunday's loss, loss to the Rabbitohs. Um, that's bullshit, a coach complaining about them being a lopsided penalty count. And to me, it's crap that the head of football for the NRL is saying that it's the referee's job to ensure both teams get equal opportunity. That's crap. No. So if, if you're... If you're giving, if you're saying to the referee, both teams have to have an equal opportunity just to display what they can do. That's another way of saying, well, it's not another way of saying, but it's insinuating that the refs will County do penalties. Yeah. Balancing penalties. I'm like, that's crap. There are, there's no, there's never a single game where both teams are exactly the same. If one yeah. team screws up eight times and it's obvious, you penalize them eight times. If the other team screws up once and it's obvious and six times and it's not, you have a penalty count, 8-1. Get over it. Yeah, see, this is actually an issue I had with the commentary on State of Origin. So, again, I love Andrew Johns, the way he talks, the way he knows the game and so well. But it gets broader than that. He's got to shut up. So, during Origin, he kept going, let the players decide this game. Let the players decide this game. And I was sitting there, I'm like, well, it's a blatant offside. You can't let that go. The players are deciding the game. They're the ones committing the penalty. Exactly. So, And he he was getting so mad at all these six against. But if you actually go back and look at them all, majority of them were legitimate. Like, I won't say all of them were there. Some of them could have gone the other way. But, and and that's the issue I see with... The, the current commentary because they all get the shit. So he's blowing so many, they define a referee by how many penalties and because again they call. It's not the referee's fault they're calling these things. It's the players. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, I, I my, my issue is the fact that the football was just saying that it's a referee's responsibility to create an equal opportunity. No, it's not. You blow the penalty that's there. If one team commits more, they commit more, and the coach and the players have to get over it. It's not an everyone participation and let's make it all equal for everybody. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, <clears throat> on some lighthearted stuff, <clears throat> uh, Lachlan Lewis tried a wrestling move on Cody Walker as the South and Canary were heading off at halftime. Uh, supposedly, it's come out and said, supposedly, uh, wait, quote who it said. 
that uh, Cody Walker said something along the lines of go back to reserve grade to Lachlan Lewis, and that was enough for him to snap. Generally, I wouldn't, I, I would say there's more to it. I still believe there is more to it, but for oh, someone like Cody Lachlan Walker. Lewis, who one is most likely is off contract, two most likely won't get signed, and three, in my opinion, doesn't really have the talent and uh, IQ to be at this level for a career. Um, he might be going, this is my last chance and I need to be doing everything to be here. And that could be something that would make him snap at this stage. Really odd thing to do though, a, a wrestling move to the ground, um, especially on the walk off. It's not like it was in the heat of the moment during the game. It was just really odd, but anything to get your name out in the wider NRL community, because not many people would be paying attention to his actual game. Um, oh, especially look, coming I, up against someone like Cody Walker, who's been on fire lately. I um, there's no way in hell that that is what Cody Walker is. The only thing Cody Walker said. There's oh, no hell way. No. It, absolute hell. It, it is. I don't care what he said. I think it's hilarious either way. Oh no, it is. Um, I, I I do care what he said. I just hope it wasn't the wrong thing. For someone to react like that is um, that's massive. Mm. Um, and it would be interesting what he actually said because no one's actually heard from Lachlan Lewis. All they heard is Buzz Rothfield. On the other hand, Lachlan Lewis should be suspended for a bit longer. Uh, well, should have hopped a heftier punishment than just a fine. Why? What he did. He's walking off the field at half time, mm-hmm. and he judo flips another play, the opposition team. Yeah. Like you put that, you don't put, you, you don't laugh at it. You just look at it from a objective point of view and you're like no it was an aggressive hug i i didn't care what, I don't what would care. happen if cody walker got injured um i reckon then obviously the fine and suspension would be much higher because yeah, i'd take that what, into account your, why 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 would you how, how do you stamp something out and teach someone a lesson if they only do it because this is a complete once-off that we haven't seen and you wouldn't expect it to happen again also um, by the sounds that you can get away with it just oh, come on. he's ah. the only one dumb enough to even try something if like your this. kids flipped the other kid but the other kid the kid who got flipped wouldn't get hurt didn't get hurt would you get angry at him the kid who flipped you're comparing a four-year-old at daycare to hey two guys wait, wait, hold, up, hold, up, hold up hold up i'm pretty care. sure your kids wouldn't do some of the stuff the NRL yeah, I, I, I just thought it was hilarious. Um, what I put on there, like someone put up a meme of um, Lachlan Lewis and Conor McGregor. I'm like, I want to be and it has been. That's all I see <laughs> in this meme, pretty much. Um, West Tigers broke a three-game losing streak. Uh, maybe coincidental that Adam Dewey was moved back to 5-8, had a hand in five tries. Um Let's just hope he stays there right now. And I've got to say, out of all the coaches this year, uh, Michael Maguire's had a pretty tough time with regards to what he has at his disposal. He hasn't helped himself in some ways with regards to his selections. No. Uh, but I'm still really interested. Tonight on Fox League, I think, is the first instalment of the behind-the-scenes documentary called Tiger Town on the West Tigers. And I love this sort of stuff. It's pretty new to Australian sport. Um, it, it's it'll be interesting to see how much access we really get. Obviously, we're podcasting uh, pretty much during it, and I'm really excited to see what does go on behind the scenes. I'm expecting to see a very hardworking, passionate coach 
because the aspects of it that we do see outside of just press conferences is somebody who wears his heart on his sleeve. My- and you look at a coach like that with the roster he's been given and the amount of uncertainty going in and out of the club. Oh, man, I don't envy his position whatsoever. What? What I'm curious about, the whole time I've seen it advertised, all you hear is him yelling, which yeah. <laughs> you're like, awesome. This is going to be fun to watch. He's going to swear. He's going to rip it. But on the other hand, you don't actually hear about the players talking. So I'm, I'm interested to see. I'm sure we will. No, no, but that's my point. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see the players show just as much passion as he, as he does. That's what I'm keen to see. But they could um, be, yeah. I, that's what I hope to see anyway. That's what I hope to see. Yeah. Uh, the last thing I just want to talk about before we get on to signings, etc., is Payne Haas and his performances lately, especially the one against the Tigers, <clears throat> where if the Broncos wanted to have any chance of moving up the table this year, that this is the game they needed or should have won. Like considering what they put out at on Suncorp against the Sharks a couple of weeks ago. Um Sharks are a better team than the West Tigers right now. You, you'd ex- I expected the Broncos to do a hell of a lot better than they did going in the sheds 18, whatever, at halftime. And Payne Haas is the catalyst for this team. He played 65 minutes, 148 running metres, 41 tackles, and a brilliant offload that showed the touch that he has for a big fella. And... This comes in the same week that there's rumours going around that he's about to sign a 10-year, $10 million deal, which make him the most expensive prop in the game. Now, I've been pretty vocal the last few weeks with regards to Jason Tamalolo and how Todd Payton has been utilising him. The minutes per game and how much the Cowboys drop off when he's off the field. Now... Todd Payton's justification for that is saving Tom Lolo for the back end of his contract. <clears throat> ah. And sorry, I've got a little bit here to, I don't understand that comment. Sorry. I understand what he said. I don't <laughs> see the rationale behind it because a, a, a prime Tom Lolo, which is Tom Lolo now is a hell of a lot more valuable than a 32 year old Tom Lolo that manages to stay injury-free for 20 rounds because you've saved him. Um, you're going to get less out of him then than you would be now letting him play 70, 75 minutes a game. So I look back and compared Payne Haas to Jason Tamalolo for this year. Minutes, average run metres, average hit-ups and tackles per game. This is a prop compared to a lock. So generally your locks are more fit... Generally, props are more fit than your locks. Um, they get a little bit more freedom with regards to running, so they're generally taking the hit up on the third tackle uh, after the props have done the, the heavy lifting of the first two in, a, in an ideal world. And they're smack bang in the middle of the field, so they should be getting through more tackles than a prop who has either side of the lock and the <clears throat> dummy half. But anyway, Payne Haas has played 13 games this year. I had 13 appearances, sorry. Tom Lowe's had his broken hands. He's had 10 appearances. <laughs> Payne Haas is averaging 61 and a half minutes a game. Tom is averaging 57.8. So that's only a difference of three, almost four minutes per game. Okay. It doesn't seem like a lot, but you combine that over an entire season. Uh, it only takes 10 games at that difference for Payne Haas to have played an extra half of football 
than Tamalolo and had that impact on this team. Payne Haas average run meters per game, 166 compared to 157 by Tamalolo. That's 50 meters per game average less than what Tamalolo was doing last year. Uh, 14.9 hit-ups per, so let's say 15 hit-ups per game for Haas, 13 hit-ups per game for Tamalolo. Haas, 35 tackles a game. Tamalolo, 27 tackles a game. So in every category, the really important ones for forwards, minutes, hit-ups per game, average metres per game, and tackles per game, Payne Haas is out doing Tamalolo. Now, at the start of the season, if you looked at these two players, I would put Tamalolo ahead of Payne Haas in all three of those categories. He's a better runner, he's a fitter player, and, well, tackles, I guess, would be a wash there shouldn't be this much discrepancy between two players when they mean just as much to each of their clubs outside of a coach saying, I'm saving him for later in his career. He's 28. He's still got another four years on his deal. He's going to be 32 by the time it runs out. You combine that with the fact Townsend's coming in at the age of 30 on 800K a season. Valentine Holmes turns 26 next week. He's on 750. You put those three together, that's $2.5 million of 9.1 million salary cap, 27%. You've got three years to win a premiership if you're the Cowboys. You don't have five. See, I I see his justification as bullshit in a few ways. One, he's not protecting Tamalo, he's protecting the club. That's all, he's not... That, that's the that's the harsh reality of it. He's protecting the club, just because that if Tamalolo burns out at the end, it's it's they still have to pay him that money. And that's, that's all it is. Um, that shouldn't be Peyton's. That should have so, no bearing. It's not his. And got nothing this, to do with him. And this also comes back to my Roger Tuivasa-Sheck argument. If you want to win a premiership in the NRL. You put their bet your best players on the field as much as you can in their yep. best position. Todd Payton is going, look, I don't want him to bottom out his end of the career, so I'm not gonna flog him. You're an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> That's all it comes down to. That that you can't say it any other way because um if you want to win that grand final, you need him on the field. And if you took him off in the 35th minute. And brought him off, um, brought him back on at like the 50th minute or the 45th minute. He's got the whole half time to rest and recover, plus five minutes either side. Yeah, so 20 that's minutes. Close break. To 25 minutes, 20, yeah. 25 minutes of rest time. That's all that bloke needs. So, <laughs> and more. Just, yeah, I, I, I like, yeah, well, 15 minutes would swing it for him, but he can't play 80. I agree, he can't do that. But an- another thing that annoys me about, um, and this is part Jason Tomololo and Payne Haas at five, that in in the Cowboys team, you've got players like Francis Molo. Um, Not for long. <laughs> oh, yeah. But you got you got play, And in the, thing, in the Broncos, you got Flegler, you got Carrigan. What annoys me is that to set up a set, you have to get the ball to a certain starting point and then you can swing it out the back. Or you can do a crash ball. In the Broncos, 
a lot of the time, and he, he puts himself there, but Payne Haas takes that setup play instead of the crash ball. Jason Tamalolo takes that setup play instead of the crash ball. What would you rather as a defender? Jason Tamalolo coming out, coming with a 10 meter run up, two meters out from the line where he can step late and put a hip into the side of your cheek. And Payne Haas doing the same thing, which they both had the talent to do, or him getting the ball off a tap and going to the left post. Like, yeah, the it, thing that's is, what I mean, you, I, I, obviously, you'd pro, as a defender, you'd prefer them taking the tap and going to the post. The difference is someone else in the team's got to be good enough to get them to the position for these guys to do the crash ball. But that's <laughs> the that, point. That's where Flegler, that's where Carrigan, that's where Mitch Dunn, that's where Jordan McLean. Those yeah. sort of blokes, Need to that's what up. they should be doing. Jason Tamalolo and Payne Haas should be put in try-scoring positions just because of their body type and how they yeah. play. That comes down and to the coach. And they are not. So, and that, yeah, it comes down to the structures, it comes down to the coach. And that's what annoys me the most because I guarantee you when Cronulla win that grand final... Back in 2016, Paul Gallen was taking the shit runs and Andrew Fafita was, was taking the, the try-scoring opportunities. Yeah. And he ended up scoring a try the thing. It's just how they're being played, minutes, and how they're being played. I reckon what I just explained about the positioning play and all that kind of stuff is more a concern for Todd Payton and... Um, Kevin Walters' coaching ability than anything else. Because yeah, definitely. You need to tell them in your 20, you should be doing the crash plays that gets a try. Because, like, <laughs> it's just like every circumstance, you'd rather Flegler run that, yeah, yep. than Payne Hunt. So it's just so, ridiculous. And if you're, if Payton's thing is we need for the back end of the contract, there's no guarantee you'll be there, Payton, because if you're saving him, which isn't your job to be thinking about careers and contracts and crap down the road and form of your players um because if their forms are good enough now you're not going to be there anyway because so if you don't win a premiership now you won't be there that's what i'm saying not not a premiership but the team has no, to be no, improving that's what he needs to do with tumalo and val holmes and chad townsend yeah and these kind of players in his squad he should yeah. be gunning for premiership or none he's got elite talent there and he's got one of the youngest rosters in the comp um, Tamalolo is one of the oldest players in that team. Um, you've got lots of guys in their young, in their early twenties who are coming into their prime. Um, they need to be playing with prime players at their prime. So, oh yeah. I, I don't know. Should, uh, and, and going back to the Todd Payton coaching barrage right now, start of the year, we loved this folk because he was so honest. We thought we we're going to get discipline and everything out of the Cowboys. We have not. And we'll get to this more when we talk about the games. What shitted me off on the weekend was Val Holmes got ruled out because of his shoulder. Mm. They had Dejan Arcee come in at six, at, at 18th man. They had a position, he was in a position to play. Yeah. Instead of that, they put Hamasel Tabel Fidel at fullback, which he's just learning how to play center. Yeah. Kept the halves how they were. And left, yeah, left Drinkwater at six. How do you not put Dejan Arcee, one of the most talented upcomings we've seen in the last 18 months, at six and Drinkwater the fullback? I... Or Arcee at fullback. Oh, well, oh, well I, yeah, I just, I didn't, I didn't see the benefit of 
having a guy who just played for Queensland run his ass off, having to play fullback yeah. that weekend for the first time in the NRL. And they bombed the shit out of the poor kid. Yep. I just, ah. Oh. So to finish hey, off that Tamalolo point, in this weekend's game, he got taken off at the 32nd minute. Um, and he didn't come back on till the 52nd minute. You combine that with halftime, he's had 40 minutes off. Um, he came off on the 32nd when Cowboys were up 12-4. Um, Rooster scored two tries while he was off. By the time he came back on, Roosters were up 14-12. Combine that with last week, the time that he's off the field, Cowboys have been outscored 34 points to nil, uh, which is pretty telling. All right, on to contracts. That went a little bit longer than... I realised um, we've already mentioned that Bulldogs have re-signed Tui Katoa to an extra year. Um, Newcastle have tied up Daniel and Jacob Saifidi on new five and two-year deals respectively. So that's a huge sign in there, Daniel locking down for an extra five years. Uh, Heimel Hunt has put pen to paper, extending at the Knights of Lander 2023. So we went through the other now. ones. So yeah, some pretty decent re-signings there. Well done, Newcastle. Aiden Caesar over in the Super League um, has signed a two-year deal with the Leeds Rhinos. So he's been playing for Huddersfield and he'll be playing with them until the end of the 2021 season before he moves over to Leeds. So that puts end to any rumours of him coming back to the NRL. And Anthony Milford, Parramatta have jumped in as an interested club, wanting to sign him immediately for the rest of the season to play a utility role, utility number 14 role. So this comes after interest from both uh, the Rabbitohs and the West Tigers for, sorry, the Titans, not the Tigers, um, for Milford for 2022. So this keep an eye on this space to see how this works out because Broncos wouldn't mind freeing up some cap space, I would assume. It's going to be very tight to try and get someone before the 1st of August, but they might want to look at someone uh, before the end of this season. All right. Uh, that's everything going on off the field. We'll be back with hard hits category, which are injuries and suspensions coming out of round 18 with some pretty big ones to talk about. <laughs> okay, so charges from round 18. I cut Jared off. He was going to say something. I thought he was going to say after I hit stop. But anyway, Aiden Tolman will spend a week on the sidelines after not challenging a careless high tackle charge. Uh, Lachlan Lewis for his... high tackle on someone. I don't know. It was on uh, Xavier Savage, who's not the tallest, and pretty quick feet as well. He's a good player, that bloke. Yeah. Lucky Lewis is facing a fine of 1600 to 2400 for his wrestle. Uh, Dylan Napa, Absolute like Tom McCallie are all being hit in the back pocket as well, uh, as will Shane Wright for his dangerous contract contact charge on Sam Verrills. Chris Lewis was hit with a grade one careless high tackle charge. He'll also pay a fine with an early guilty plea. And Kevin Proctor and Patrick Herbert <coughs> were slapped with grade one dangerous throw charges. And they will also pay fines after accepting early guilty pleas. Uh, so now actual suspensions outside of Aiden Tolman there. <coughs> Sorry, so it's like in my throat. Injuries, there's some pretty bad news here for a couple of clubs. So Alex Johnson was trying to create try scoring history. It's hit a bit of a snag. He's facing two to four weeks on the sideline due to a hamstring injury. That'll happen when you run as fast as he does this many times in a season. <laughs> um, 
Rabbitohs will be monitoring Liam Knight, Campbell Graham, and Jacob Host um, after they all picked up head knocks. Uh, Benji Marshall, COVID protocols, Hemi Sele, <clears throat> due to his calf, will not be able to play against the Warriors. Sorry. David Bowen will miss eight to nine months after suffering a season-ending knee injury. He suffered ACL and MCL damage to his knee in an attempt it's to make it back. It's to hear that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the similar situation, very unfortunately for the Warriors, for Torhu Harris, who hobbled from the field. Um, they have ACL damage, it's looking like, for Torhu Harris, not a full rupture or no, conf- no confirmation of a full rupture yet. Wade Egan suffered a suspected season-ending shoulder injury while young centre Rocco Berry picked up a hamstring injury. So if you didn't get to see this game, Warriors went down to Penrith, um, finishing the game with pretty much 13 players after, like we just mentioned, those three were off for the, end of, for the rest of the game and there's fatigue caught up with them in the second half. Um, James Fisher-Harris has pulled up sore, but he will not require scans after clashing with Viliami kick out in the final stages of their win. Uh, Jerome Lui could return next week. TC Rabadi for the Broncos hobbled off with a cork, should be available next week. Clemmer and Ponga both failed HIAs in the first half, lost to Melbourne. I don't blame them. Uh, <laughs> Delphinuka about his HIA George Jennings suffered a knee injury in that one as well and Jack Whiten suffered a rib injury you could see he was in a fair bit of pain oh yeah he tried to tough it out yeah so he looks as though he's confident to play next week uh, there's some pretty uncomfortable scenes in the Manly game with Carl Lawton being taken from the field without being able to move very much he was standing upright he went straight to hospital with severe pain in his back, uh, ended up being most likely a cork. They're still monitoring him, and that would be a brilliant outcome based on what it sounded and what he looked like. Jamal Fogarty went off with a hand issue in the Titans game. Philip Sammy went off with an ankle injury. Um, Fogarty has a suspected compound, had a suspected compound fracture. I don't know how you can have a suspected compound. It's either the bones poking out of your skin or it's not. Um, but it was hard to see on the video. So lots of injuries there to keep an eye on with some big ones at top. Toro Harris, Jarvid Bowen, and Alex Johnston. I don't think I missed any. Um, sweet. Cool. Let's review the games from round 18 uh, with some teams continuing on their winning ways, some cracking, some losing streak, and some just looking horrible as has the rest of their season. Okay, so we're going to be spending a little bit less time on the games this week. So we want to spend the the last few minutes of the show talking about the run home for each of the teams from positions five through to 13 to see who's going to be making up the top eight. But we'll go through the results first. So the weekend kicked off on Friday. Uh, No game on Thursday due to state of origin. So Titans versus Eels down at Seabus Stadium, uh, the first of a double header down there. Titans as a home team were extremely disappointing, especially in the first half, going down 20 to nil at half time before eventually losing 26-8. They did show flashes of what they can do in the second half, especially in these pretty much last 20 minutes um, where Brian Kelly and David Fafita both went over and then David Fafita had a second try disallowed, which 
I'm not going to say would have made it interesting. Um, Eels had all their points scored by the 50th minute uh, with only one try in the second half, and it was enough. It didn't look like Titans would be able to put enough together to really threaten the overall score anyway. Um, if you put that other Fafita try on, well, that takes them up to about 14 if they had kicked the conversion, which they hadn't done for the first two. So, yeah, pretty disappointing performance uh, by the Titans uh, with what... They're being, they're being very disappointed. I, uh, I think that, that that would be how you would put their season. It's disappointing. Considering how much, what's the word, flair, how much... Um, pomp they had this going into this season you say pomp yeah they had a lot of pomp what's pomp flair <laughs> press um all that kind of stuff i just i just think that you know they they bought they, they bought well and they're just not stepping up to what they promised really like i was i'm very disappointed in gold coast this year with what um they could be you know what i mean Oh yeah, like they, they they have all the potential in the world, and they're just squandering it. Like they've, yeah, and their defense is horrible. In the first half, Dave Fafita, I know I said it before, but he had free run for eighteen meters in the first half. Like yeah. that is just that's not okay for a million dollar player. Like I know he ended up scoring at the end, but Jesus, I was. I think they they need someone like. I don't know who they need to change up something, but something needs to change at Gold Coast. Because they have a... And it's not like they're top-heavy in the fourth. They have some very talented backs, too. Do you know who I... Well, it's this isn't a hot take. They're missing Jai Arrow by a lot as their lockdown defender through the middle. Um, Tino Fasamawali is a damn good player, but he's not that sort of lockdown defense first type like arrow is and they're also missing someone like a greg bird that they had in the early days with that mongrel and aggression and a bit of sleight of hand as a forward as well um for feeder is bullocking and damaging when he's on but you're not going to get a lot of ball playing out of their forwards outside of peachy who probably does it too much so i don't know just they need someone in that middle to lock it down and I'm struggling to think of anyone in their system that can do that. In saying that, we haven't seen a lot of Herman SASA this year or even He won't Sam do McIntyre. that, but he'll have that sleight of hand. Yeah, he'll have the sleight, um, okay. McIntyre will be that aggressor, but someone maybe like a... Like Bo Firmall will eventually be that. He's not there now, but he will A Victor Radley type. Someone just... Yeah, yeah, something Dale Fanukin like Yeah, someone who just will not allow you to get through the middle of the field. That's that's really what they're missing. And then it'll take maybe a little bit of pressure off everybody else, knowing that that's shut down there. But to come up, first game of the weekend, you're in your home stadium knowing other teams are going to be using it. You want to put a marker in the ground saying, hey, you're playing here, but this is our place still. Yeah, Eels, they're, they're pulling their supporters along by a string again. Uh, being disappointed not being able to beat an understrength Penrith side a couple of weeks ago and then beating a team that they should beat quite convincingly. They've got to start doing this against the top teams, though. I, um, I just want to see them. I just want to see Parramatta perform when it matters. Yes. 
That, that's when it, that's what you and they they're in the eight, so maybe they can cruise along, and we can for well, all like when it matters against Penrith. That was a point to put. We're the better team right now than you guys are, and they went down to a Penrith side missing Cleary and Luai. Yeah, like but when it matters for them, we'll be the finals, and they have a team to shake up a few other teams, but they've got to do better. And oh. These last seven games don't really matter to me for Parramatta anymore. Like, if they can have a run of four really quality games, that's the, the only thing is I doubt they can do that. And that's my issue with them. Uh, good to see Reed Marnie get on the score sheet uh, back from his concussion, wasn't it? Yeah, concussion. Uh, yeah. Shoulder. No, yeah, shoulder. Sorry, it's concussion earlier in the year. Um, all righty. Moving on to the second game on the Friday night, which was also uh, on the Gold Coast. Seagulls 32, uh, beating the Dragons 18. Half-time, Dragons were up 14-12. Um, this is a pretty close game in the first half. It's, well, it shows that, obviously, on the scoreboard, but both teams were given it a crack. and It was actually pretty entertaining. Tyrell Sloan really showed again how much of an exciting uh, talent he is for the Dragons. It was pretty embarrassing as a Manly supporter to give up a try to Josh Maguire, but mm. he has to score every now and then, I guess. Uh, Hamale Olakatu continued to show what a beast of a player he is. His try was from eight metres out, a palm, a step, running over people. This is after also setting up Morgan Harper down that same side from a very similar play. Um, Adam's still having a bit of a hard on over Schuster, though. Oh, yeah, man. Like, you look at some of his plays towards the uh, end of that first half. It didn't end up coming off in a try. But there was a play down the short side where he just stepped inside one palm one, was running with a ball in one hand, like the NBA players do with a basketball. And then just like literally popped the ball over a defender to Kieran Foran. It looked like he was playing piggy in the middle in a pool where you just do that little pop, little ball over the top. Him and Olicato at the moment in the second row for Manly is just fun to watch. See, and that's me, me and me and Wall had this conversation a few weeks ago about young, talented players in the NRL getting pumped up. We believe too much. Um, this bloke has all the potential out of all the young blokes that are getting pumped up right now. But the difference is the pressure of the result isn't on him. No. And that and that's what Des Hasley should be commended for because he is definitely going to be the long-term 5'8". And you had Kieran Foran sitting there who, let's face it, a tad injury-prone. Um, and... He had the option to just throw him straight at six, lining up next to Cherry, trying to win the games for him. But no, he's identified that he's big enough to play in the second row. And now he's got him, you know. Coming along. That was his well, first game back from injury too. Yeah, play, playing with a freedom. Yep. And the other don't side really is, get to see for, with, having, with having Cherry Evans and the two Trebojevich brothers there, there's – Less spotlight on him too. Yeah, uh, that's right. Now, for me, this game changed <clears throat> after half time, where 
Des Hasler went, you know what? Maybe Dylan Walker, again, in the halves, isn't the right option. And put Cade oh, Cust really? onto the field in the halves. And I was watching the tweets going, oh, Manly looks way better in the second half. I was like, it's only taken Hasler one and a half games to realise that Cade Cust might be the best option in the halves when no DCE is there. And they looked <laughs> a hell of a lot better. Uh, he varied over for a try in the 46th minute. He was linking up quite well with Kieran Foran. It took the pressure off Foran, who had a really good game and had just enough legs to run away for a try pretty much a start at the start of the second half. And Manly made the second half their own by putting on 20 points to four. Um, Dragons got a slight consolation try in the 72nd minute. And this was a team missing Trebojevic and Cherry Evans, who was ruled out just because he's played every minute of every game this year. And I'm just going to check, but I'm pretty sure Manly's now picked up three wins out of the last four games without Trebojevic there. And the game that they lost was against um, the Raiders, where they literally just played horribly and still was within two tries in that game till late. So a good win there for the Seagulls. Um, Disappointing second half for the Dragons, definitely. Um, Cowboys, 18, Roosters, 34. Cowboys jumped out to a 12-0 lead pretty quickly um, before giving up that lead again to be going down at halftime 14-12. bit like Groundhog Day from the week before after getting out to the lead. Um, Tom Lally came off. They lost a lot of go forward. And Sam Walker just... Sam Walker the second half, basically. <laughs> Not great with regards to conversion kicking, but he had fingerprints all over their second half performance um, where they scored 20 points to six to run away with this one. Billy Smith getting a try. He was a late inclusion in the back line after James Tedesco was ruled out for rest. Joey Manu switched to fullback. And I think he's looked a hell of a lot better at fullback than he has at centre and he's still a good centre. Um, Ikevalu getting across for another couple of tries. Uh, Crichton hitting a crash ball, as Jared mentioned earlier. Um, some of these more damaging forwards should be hitting more often in some teams. Satili Torpanua. So if you're looking at that, Roosters are scoring on both sides of the field using each edge. And a very encouraging performance, I'd say, for the Roosters, who have gone through a very tumultuous season, especially with regards to injuries. And they're still sitting pretty in fifth in fifth place and looking to set themselves up for the rest of the season. Something's wrong with the Cowboys because their first tries to Bowen and Hammersell were elite. They were so absolutely <laughs> tries last like, week too. Yeah, like that that especially the Hammersell Tibidow Fidow try where drink water good and he's put him in and then Fidow stood up Manu like he was nothing. Yeah, and that's his speed, but someone's got to get him in that position to do that. And drink water is just amazing. Yeah. Um, the ending of that try, where again Manu got stead- stood up, but it was nothing Manu could do. He had three on one, and Jarvis Bowen just stepped off his left and went straight past him. They set it up so well, and then, like I said, twenty fifth, thirty fourth, 59th. They just ripped through them. Um, yeah, they they they've got to sustain this ability for 80 minutes because they definitely attack when the defense has gone to shit. Um I know it's call out to the future. Try. Sorry. Yeah. The Jared hopeful future center for 
the Roosters, Billy Smith. For the Knights or the Roosters? No, sorry, the Knights, yeah. I'm, I, I've been dreaming of this bloke playing for Newcastle for a few years now. You've just been dreaming um, of him. Well, yeah, why not? That, that schnoz on him. But um, What about the first name? <laughs> but the funny thing is that this guy, I think he scored like three tries or set up three tries in two games or whatever it is. He'll, he'll get put in the pine next week. Won't even yeah. get a run because Tedesco will be back. And that's the thing. That's what these big teams have got. Like, if this bloke was at Newcastle or was mm-hmm. at somewhere else, they'd be dependent on to do everything. Bradman does. Yeah, well, where's at the Roosters? They can, they can go in well. and out and learn the game. It's kind of what it's kind of the opposite of the Roosters in the halves for them right now because they have so many. Sam Walker doesn't get a chance to loot, uh, learn the game in the NRL. He has to be the game for the Roosters. So um, it's actually a pretty cool comparison how much depth they have got. They have got in different positions over there. Yeah, and they don't have to rush Billy Smith with the regard. Uh, because of what they do in the back line. <clears throat> he did score a try in the 61st minute, but I think the Cowboys are missing the Reese Robson of last year and how he finished the season. Yeah. Um, who knows? They did sign Jake Granville for an extension, which surprised me, but anyway. Uh, Raiders versus Sharks. I really enjoyed this game. It was the closest game to me with regards to who to tip um, over the weekend. I think we both went with the Sharks. And at halftime, this could have gone either way. The Raiders, to start this game, I think I put a tweet out going, who the hell is this team in green? Because they were throwing the ball around everywhere. They look like the Raiders from uh, 2019, where they got uh, all the way to uh, the grand final. Yes, grand final. Yeah, they were beaten by the Roosters. Oh, semi-final. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, What was it again? Grand final, Raiders and Roosters. Yeah, two years ago, Raiders and Roosters. Yeah. yeah, and that team, they were throwing the ball around. There was creativity all over the place. Uh, they had a try disallowed as well. It was just electric. They blew the Sharks off the field in the opening stanza. And you combine that with the penalty goal uh, for Jared Croker as well. And they scored right on, uh, <clears throat> sorry, half time. Um, not halftime, he scored three penalty goals in the first half to wait for a try to get them up to 12. And then the Sharks came back after about 20 minutes in the second half of the first half to make it a game, 12 all. And going into halftime, I'm looking at this going, man, this could go either way. Whoever starts the second half better, it will go a long way to sealing the victory. I thought the Sharks were going to win this one only based on the fact that they weathered the storm early. Yeah, they gave up points, but they didn't drop their heads. They fought back. And as we've seen throughout this season, when the Raiders have got a lead, if the other team does fight back, Raiders have started to fold and disbelief sets in, et cetera, et cetera. And I thought, hey, Sharks get the points early in the second half. They could pretty much do this. Uh, wasn't the case. They did put on... A try in the 45th minute. Jack White had already scored in the 41st. They were chasing the game again. And then Raiders just pretty much controlled the rest of the second half. Yeah. Um, I'm, I know he scored a try, but this bloke, um, they booed at Sharks, went to Newcastle, had a bit of a spat with Nathan Brown, went back to Cronulla. Oh. Jesse Ramian, he... 
he, like I said, he scored a try, but it seems to be the only attacking threat he is is when he's off that drop-off play mm-hmm. where they're swinging it out to the right and they drop him off and he goes against the grain. He, he's damn good at it too. Yeah, he, no, he is because he's so strong off his left, off his right foot when he steps and he's got such a strong palm on his inside. But, like, that original year at Cronulla when Newcastle signed him off, he was lighting up the entire comp. And Newcastle must have ruined him. So I don't know what it was. No way. No, like, yeah, I, I don't know what it is, but he moved to Newcastle. Bit of a backstory because his daughter's from the Central Coast. She lives there mm-hmm. and he wanted to be closer. But then he just didn't get along with Newcastle. At Newcastle, didn't get along with Brownie. Didn't like the fact that he was on the right and Ponga was on the left and Newcastle's attack is based on Ponga, which I agree with. Went back to Cornell, but hasn't done anything since. Um, and I, I feel like they need to unlock him a bit better and find a find a way to unlock him a bit more. See what's going on with him because he has all the potential in the world. This bloke, like he, really, he, he was can, it two years ago? We're going, oh man, Bronson Sherry, Jesse Ramian, I know, um, Josh Dugan. Like two years ago, we're like who the hell are they going to put in the centers? We're putting a back line together, and now they have got Connor Tracy playing in the centers. Yes, so. <laughs> Kudos to the Raiders here. Um, turned around some 2021 history that had been going against them and came away with a win 34-18. Sharks will be pretty disappointed with that considering they had won five of their past six heading into that game and were in better form than the Raiders, but couldn't get across the line in that one. Um, you see the Storm won another game by 40-plus? Yeah, <laughs> um, Nico Hines, oh. eight for eight conversions. Um, 48 points to four over the Knights. Dominic Young getting over for a try in the 55th minute. Uh, Jerome Hughes showing again how much he has improved as a player. Oh, and mate, he's lit it up. He had his paw prints over almost everything in this game. Um, I did. What did you uh, make of Nico Hines' shoey celebration? Oh, that was awesome. That was, that was pretty so much. Uh, like, Obviously, I hated watching it. I hated the end result of this game, but you can't not admire how Melbourne are playing. It's just so organized. That's the best way to put it. It's just so like, everyone knows what they're doing. Um, for Newcastle, the... there you go. Sorry, yeah. For Newcastle, um, they've got to start. They yeah. they physio department. Has just got to step up their game. Like the amount of times we have named players and then them having to be ruled out 24 hours before because they're not right. Uh, I'm not even going to mention Pierce Pong again injured. That's just, and Clement, that's just part of the game. Like hamstring, soft tissue for Pierce. Um, I don't necessarily think Pong got done for a HIA, but here we are. Um, but Daniel Saifidi. He, he had 44 points in him. Daniel Saifidi got ruled out of origin for rib cartilage, which is a four to six week injury, and then gets named two nights after origin or whatever, three nights after origin, and then rules out 24 hours before. And Newcastle have been doing like Newcastle named Ponga two weeks yeah. in a row when he's yeah. hammy with gl- sorry, groin. And last week, you mentioned. That Brabham best is a chance he can come out early for his syndesmosis. 
I am petrified of him coming back just because Newcastle in the last two months have proven they cannot say someone's going to come back. It is just fucking ridiculous. Um, and you know what? None of those what you players really think, that I just Jerry. mentioned. Sorry? That's what you really think. Saifidi <laughs> would not have changed the result of this game uh, at all. Um, yeah, we just got smacked around a fair amount. <laughs> it, it was just... It was just bad. <laughs> and to think that Storm is still missing Harry Grant uh, Ryan and Ryan Pappenhausen. And Nelson Asafa-Solomona in this game. It's freakish. Like their, their point scoring record is ridiculous. Can you remember when the six again rule was first named? It was to get rid of the wrestling tactics and everyone's, and there's yeah. a few people going, oh, one out of the Storm are going to cope with this. Um, they've gotten better. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll, look, that, that's the most impressive thing about Melbourne. They've adapted. But they um, just, they're like, all right, yeah. uh, we've slowed the game down because yeah. it suits us, but you want to speed it up, it's going to suit us more. Yeah, the only advantage is Newcastle can still win the grand final because they only got 48 points on them, not 50. Ooh, that's true. That's true. Um, I will say that Connor Watson had crap in this game. He always does. Yeah, he. he he got moved to fullback because of Pong. He set up the try for Dominic Young. Um, he really tried in this game. And there was a few times he just stood there and just went, oh, what the fuck else can I do? <laughs> like, <laughs> he just had repeatedly Nico Hines, Jerome Hughes, Justin Olam running at him. I just, yeah, I felt bad for him by the end of the game. But um, Melbourne are just too damn good. And um, it actually flows on to the next game where Penrith beat the Warriors, me and Adam actually tipped against Penrith. We've got to stop mm-hmm. doing that. Yeah, um, well, we actually... I, I think we had a shot in this. It was some unforeseen circumstances that really hurt the Warriors. Yeah, well, there's three injuries again, wasn't it? Yeah, so halftime, it was 16-10 to Penrith. Uh, kick out going over in the first minute. And credit to the Warriors. They hit back with tries to Wade Egan in the eighth and Rocco Berry in the 17th minute. But as we mentioned earlier, Warriors succumbed to three injuries through this game. Barry Egan, two of their try scorers, and also Harris. Um, and they played a fair oh, portion. RTS got injured, didn't he? Oh, yeah, two of Arsashek, sorry, was off as well. So um, you're looking at a fair bit of talent going off the off the field there. And, oh, yeah, because they were down to no one on the bench, weren't they? Yeah. It was literally a... a a case of fatigue in the second half. Um, and they still managed to put a late try on to Reese Walsh in the 72nd to ensure that the second half um, ended up being 14 to six, which is pretty respectable after being down by six and a half time. Credit to the Panthers though. They ha- had things in their favor that afternoon. They did come up against a plucky warrior side and, but they took advantage of it as good teams do. Uh, good to see Kikau get across for a double. Might kickstart the second half of the season for him, which from what has been a quiet one. Charlie Staines uh, picking up two tries out on the wing after Dylan Edwards coming back at fullback as well. And Brent Naden looks to have uh, tied down that centre position, you would assume. To me, this is their best back five with Naden and Tuo back together and Crichton and Staines on the other side. Um Obviously, you've still got Cleary and Luai to come back into this squad, which makes it quite a scary proposition. Um, Coruscant starting on the bench. 
I thought was interesting considering he didn't play all that much in origin. Um, but Mitch Kenny, we've talked about before, not the worst replacement to have. Kane Evans didn't play, but most of this game's uh, media focus afterwards has been on what he had on his bandage on his wrist. So we'll probably hear more about that when a fine gets handed down. Yeah, this this game, poor Warriors, but unfortunately no one's going to remember that in six months. No. Um, uh, yeah, that, that's the disappointing thing is that you can't keep saying this about the Warriors. It's just disappointing. On the other hand, Pembroke keep pulling it out. Fuck, that sounded bad. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if they're pulling it out. They they were good money for the win. They deserved yeah. the win. Uh, and it looks like they're going to survive with Luai, without Luai and Cleary for that period. So all that the more power to, to them. Yeah, that comes down to good coaching, putting systems in place that all Ooh. players can work with. So if a cog is missing, someone else can step in and very mm. much a Melbourne way of doing things at the moment. Worst performance yeah. of the weekend, uh, Brisbane Broncos. <laughs> at home, I'm not going to say they've been in good form, but they're showing against the Sharks a couple <clears throat> a couple of weeks ago. Show what they could do when they trust their talent and play with a bit of heart. They should beat this West Tigers side. And instead, they had 42 points put on them, 32 of them in the second half. So going into halftime up 18-10, an eight-point buffer, you should be feeling pretty good about yourself. And then being just towed 32-6 in the second half. By the Tigers. By the Tigers. And Adam Dewey, he's a different player when he's playing at 5'8". When Maguire shifted him there early in the season, we didn't agree with it. You could kind of see it because there were still players that they weren't getting the most out of and trying to find the right combinations. He's there 5'8". He has to be playing 5'8". He needs his hands on the ball. He's big, he's strong, he's fast, he's smart. And... He had five try assists in a game where his team scored eight tries. So if, if he's having a hand in over 50%, um, that's what you want your half doing. Uh, North Luma getting over for a customary try. Actually got a double. Luciano Leilua finding the stripe again. Tommy Talao with the double. Dane Laurie had a huge game and combined with Dewey. It was great. I, there was some commentary uh, from Dewey after the game talking about if we continue to win while I'm here, I'll probably be able to stay at 5'8", my preferred position. But he talked about the nuances of the game where we drew Brisbane in with our short ball, our short passing, and crashing through with the forwards at the middle. So when Brisbane's defence compressed, it allowed us then to use the long ball, which is when he was giving it out to Laurie in the sweep plays. And it's cool to hear the halves talking about that. Our game plan was to bring their forwards in, limit their lateral movement, um, later on in the game, they took advantage of it and just literally steamrolled the Broncos in their own backyard. Yeah, Broncos just... Um, well, Adam tipped them. Yeah, oh, I, I, could, yeah. I thought <laughs> from Tigers haven't been impressive and Broncos have actually showed some life. Um, yeah, I, I'm just... Broncos, they could write this season off and spend the rest of the week season trying to find their fullback because I don't think Tessie New played overly well there. Payne Haas on the weekend. Fullback. Who? Payne Haas. 
<laughs> um, yeah, they're just they've got so much potential, but they're just not playing together as a team, and that's the issue. And they're not like they the score. If you lose by scoring twenty four points, that's an attitude thing. No, no, but if you score 24 points oh, yeah, and you yeah. still lose a game, yeah. you that's a, that, that like I said, that's for me is completely up to your attitude. Like you have the ability to put points on teams, yeah, but your defensive attitude is shit, and you're trying to out if you're trying to get into a shooting like a, a slinging contest as far as tries, that's not that's not gonna win you any anything yeah. in the long run. So it's a massive issue they need to solve. Yeah, so both teams um, in that game had come off a bye. And before the bye, Tigers had gone down in three games, 40-12, 66-16, 38-22 before the bye. Whereas Broncos had come off two losses and then a 26-18 win over the Sharks. Um, that's the reason why I tipped them and obviously it blew up in my face. So <laughs> first and only time I'm tipping them uh, this year. And so that brings us to the last game of the round, Bulldogs and Rabbitohs. A very plucky Bulldogs, actually, uh, quite yeah. surprisingly. Half time they were up 12-10. <clears throat> really, we're giving it to the Rabbitohs, and they didn't fall away in the second half either. They scored another 12 points. Unfortunately, the Rabbitohs scored 22 uh, to run away, run away with this one, 32-24. Uh, tries late on in the game for both teams. 65th minute for Bailey beyond a Odo scoring his first try in the NRL and being very happy about it as well. We've seen his celebration. Johnson with another double. Unfortunately, he's been injured because it would have been amazing to see how many tries he was likely to score coming into the end of the season. Um, Mark Nichols scoring a try a week after his appearance. Yeah, good on you. And Adam Reynolds, goal kicking, still not back on track uh, compared to what we're used to, but Rabbitohs, like Penrith against the Warriors, uh, when challenged, found a way to win. And in the end, uh, maybe not convincingly, but it didn't look like they were going to lose once they got in front. I didn't think they looked like they were going to lose even at halftime. You could just see that when there's a scoreline like this with one of the top teams versus one of the bottom teams, the bottom teams have to be playing to their best to even get it this close. And you know, the top teams have always got another gear to go to and Rabbitohs found that in the second half and did what they needed to do to pretty good much. On a, hopefully. Yeah, good on. They're trying. They just don't have enough good players and they don't have the systems in place yet to really challenge these top teams. Yeah. All right. So it's going to a very quick rundown here of the ladder and what it looks like going into the end of the season. We've got seven rounds to go. So the Storm, Penrith, Rabbitohs and Eels, the top four, uh, 32, 32, 30 and 28 points. We're not going to look at their run in uh, to the end of the season because the Eels have a two game gap, two win gap, sorry, over the Roosters in fifth place. And their points differential is half superior pretty much 120 points. So they need to lose three games by 40 plus, um, basically, for the Roosters to catch up. Yeah, with the inconsistency, it's not the worst putt bet to put on. Yeah. So <laughs> but what we're going to look at here is just the run home 
very quickly for the Roosters in fifth, all the way down to the Cowboys in 13th. So from fifth to 13th, it's a 10-point gap. So we're not expecting the Cowboys to jump all the way up to fifth. That's five wins out of their last seven. But even as bad as the Cowboys, the Titans, and until this week, the Tigers have been playing, they're one win outside the eight because Sharks are sitting in eighth on 16 points. You've got the Raiders on 16, Knights on 16, Titans, Tigers, and Cowboys all on 14. Uh, Tigers jumped two spots on the ladder just by winning this week with the Cowboys and Warriors losing. That's how close it is in that mid-table. Broncos are two are another win behind the Warriors. If they won their last seven and get 14 points, they'd be sitting right now in fifth. So basically they'd be relying on no one else winning um, for them to make the finals. <clears throat> so we're not going to worry about that. So Roosters are on 24, Seagulls are on 22, and then Seagulls have a two-point gap down to Dragons. So we've used this system before. I give a four-point ranking to any team in the top four. So if you verse a team in the top four, it's worth four. If you verse a team from fifth to eighth, it's worth three. Uh, ninth to twelfth, it's worth two. And the bottom four, it's worth one point. So there's seven games left. So the hardest run home would be seven games against the top four, which would be Rabbitohs, Eels, Storm, and Penrith. And, and that would be 20 24 points. points. The lowest amount of points you get is the best. Sorry. Yes. That's the lowest amount of points you get the best. So Roosters um, have a combined total of 21 points coming in. So they're averaging a difficulty of three, which is the hardest run home out of any of these teams. So basically, <laughs> they're versing teams like the Seagulls, Dragons, and Sharks every game leading into the finals. Um, the other team with the hardest run home is the Raiders, who are sitting in ninth, one of those teams on 16 points. <clears throat> so they're averaging um, three points as well. So they've got three games against the top four opposition and then another game against the, the mid-pack. So they've got quite a hard run home as well. We're taking home and away out of this because everyone's up in Queensland. Yeah, it's relevant, even if it wasn't. Yeah. So the other two teams that are the next closest with an average of 2.85. So you're kind of looking at these guys are versing clubs. For the Cowboys case, slightly above them. For the Dragons case, they're versing teams all around them on the way home. So these are two teams that really have the rest of the season in the palm of their hand. They're averaging 2.85, which is pretty much where Dragons are sitting. Um, so in order for Dragons to make the finals, you can almost look at each win that they have, uh, especially... Is a four-point turnaround. Yeah, it can be a four-point turnaround, especially next week. Um, and then the week, two weeks after that, where they're versing uh, two teams in that two regions, that's either going to be... Raiders, Knights, Titans, and Tigers. So their teams, so, if they yeah. win, they put some four points or two wins ahead of them. And also they've got their um, their two, another two weeks of player suspensions to get through as well. Don't forget that. Yes, yes. Forgot about that one. Um, so they're the teams with the hardest run homes. Roosters, Raiders, Cowboys, and Dragons. Roosters have more leeway than obviously any of those other teams because they're on 24 points, but a couple of slip-ups. Um, fifth can drop to seventh pretty quickly. And if the Sydney COVID situation gets under wraps, it's your home finals, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, easiest run homes, <clears throat> the Sharks and the Knights. Yeah. Uh, 
Their, their last seven games come to a total of 14 points. We played Broncos twice. <laughs> yes, which means each game that they play on the way home is equivalent to playing a team from ninth to 12th, which is a pretty good spot to be in. So you look at the Knights, they do not have any more games against top four opposition. Um, do have Roosters, they're fifth. Yeah, Roosters are fifth. Um, they versus the Broncos twice and the Bulldogs as well. So yeah. you're looking at that. Um, while it doesn't really affect um, their position with regards to a four-point swing against the teams around them, there's six points that they should be looking at picking up. Uh, with regards to the Sharks, who are two points ahead of the... Sorry, they're on the same points as the Knights. They also have an easy run home um, where they're versing the Bulldogs. Sorry, they versed the Warriors, Broncos and Bulldogs from memory. And they've got a much better points differential than the Knights of negative 60 compared to negative 137. So Sharks and Knights will really be battling it out against each other, even though they don't... I don't think they play each other. Do they on the run home, Jared? I don't think they do. Who's you can have a look at that. Sharks and Knights. <laughs> uh, I'll have a look. You, you can look that one up. And then the Tigers also have a very easy run home. They have three weeks in a row where they versus the Warriors, the Bulldogs, and the Cowboys, three teams in the bottom four before finishing yeah. with the Bulldogs. 15th of August, they play each other. So that could really afternoon. determine where they finish on the ladder considering at the same points now. Yeah. <laughs> That's one the Knights will definitely have to win with their points differential. Sorry about that. Yeah. And Tigers, yeah, they get a really easy run home and versus the Bulldogs twice. So if you look at this, there is still a lot of movement that can occur. Now, the teams that I didn't mention there, uh, Seagulls who are sitting on 22 points and have easily the best for and against out of all these teams. Only them and the Roosters have a positive points differential from the teams from 5th through to 13th. Um, Seagulls versus the Storm and they verse uh, the Rabbitohs, I think. and But they also verse Cowboys and also uh, the Bulldogs again. So... Oh, I think it's a bonus. I'll have to go back and double check. They've got an average run home, but not a hard, not an easy one. Um, same with the Titans. And yeah, everyone else is either in the hard or easy basket. So looking at that, my point of view, probables for the finals, um, you can pretty much lock in Roosters and Eagles for me. Um, <clears throat> possibles. Dragons, Sharks, Raiders, Knights. Uh, but my outside shot is the Tigers with regards to their run home. If they can put on anything half or as close as what they did against the Broncos, um, with their run home being pretty easy, looking at even if they drop three games, there's four games they should win. Um, that's eight points, which would take them up to 22 and looking at the teams around them, some of them having harder runs home, that might be enough. And their four and against oh. isn't horrible compared to some of the others. Yeah, so I think with such a log game, log game um, I'm kind of... So I'm, 
Look, Newcastle have a really good run home, but if if they drop any one of those, like you said, locks to win, aka the Broncos, aka the Bulldogs games, they can't because just because they've got the worst for and against out of all of them in that little log jam, oh, except yeah. for the Cowboys. Um, yeah, you can pretty much write the Cowboys off. Yeah. Um, I Another one of it you've got to worry about is you've got the Dragons. Um, the next two games are going to be ridiculously crucial as far as not only how they manage these suspensions, but on the other hand, if they do not get any, you know, three to four week injuries to their key players during this period as well. Because they cannot afford to lose a Ben Hunt. They cannot afford to lose a Corey Norman because they're losing so much experience per week as it is. Um, So, yeah, those are the things. I think Canberra can go on a bit more of a run than people are giving them credit for just because of how much um, big game experience they have in 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 their thing. And like you said, they have a... What did you say? They had one of the worst runs. They had one of the hardest runs home, yeah. Yeah, but... Out of all the teams there, out of the bottom, they have the ability to shake up a lot of teams on their day. Yeah. So they've got Para next week. Um, then they're versing the Knights and the Dragons. So there's two games that they really need to win there, Knights and Dragons. Yeah. And then, because then they come up against Storm, Sea Eagles, um, Warriors, and then Roosters. So they've got the Roosters, Storm, Sea Eagles, and Parramatta, four of their last seven games. The other yeah, three. So the log jam is yeah. pretty, pretty tight. But yeah. if you're supporting any of these teams, none of them can lose moving forward. I think the um, key, the key team in all of this is the Sharks, because they verse the most amount of teams around them. Um, they come up against the Bulldogs next week, and then the Sea Eagles. Um, they're two kind of above and below them, but then they go Warriors, Knights. Tigers, Broncos. So they're going to have an influence on the Knights. They're going to have an influence on the Tigers. And they've got two pretty easy games with regards to Broncos and um, Bulldogs that they should win. So also, also, um, on the other hand, you say they're the easy games because of their ladder position, but Broncos scoring 24 points on the Tigers. Yeah, they're they're a bit of a games. threat right now. And the, and the fact that Bulldogs scored... 24 points on the rabbits. So if any of them look at the draw and do exactly what we're doing, go to look, we should win them and don't treat them with the respect they deserve. He could be in a bit of trouble there as well. So, so, uh, it's going to be a very uh, interesting run home. Uh, I think yeah, the top so, four are pretty much set. Something pretty drastic would have to happen there. But Seagulls, Roosters, can go on enough of a roll. Um, Seagulls do versus Parramatta. Um, oh, wait, I'll have to double check that. Um, All right. So, and on the other scale, on the other end of the thing. So these blokes, um, these teams are talking about are trying to shuffle and jump between the top eight, right? On the other end, you've got the top the top guys who are already set. They can coast towards the end of the season. It just depends. Who wants the minor premiership between the tie, Melbourne and Penrith the most? In two weeks' time, it's actually going to determine the minor premiership because Melbourne are playing Penrith yeah. on Saturday night on the 15th, uh, 31st of July. 
which will be absolutely massive as far as if you care about the minor premiership, which would be cool. And then the week after that, you got Melbourne versus Manly. So for Manly's perspective, that determines if you get a home semi. So so Manly only have two games against opposition above them, which are the Storm and the Eels back to back. and, And yeah, so... That, that will one test Manly against Melbourne, which if Travoyevich is playing, it's going to be absolutely epic. But having a home semi, and if you are able to play it at Brookvale or Four Pines Park or whatever it is, having a home semi, that'll be massive to Manly moving forward. What I'm looking at as a Manly fan is the Eels run home. They've got a tough one. They've got Raiders, Roosters, Rabbits, Sea Eagles, then they get a Cowboys, and then they have Storm and Penrith. So they verse one, two, they verse the other three of the top four teams, and then they verse fifth and sixth. They literally have the hardest run home. They verse every single team from first to sixth that aren't them. Um, wow. Plus the Cowboys. Oof, so that could be very interesting. Um, although I did enjoy a tweet that a Manly supporter put out. Um the premierships that we won in 08 and 11 and the one that we lost in 13, uh, the last game that we versed against Melbourne that season, um, if we put up a good contest and were very close against them towards the end of the season, we'd either won the premiership or lost in the grand final. So I'm very interested to see how that game goes. Um, That's where we'll leave it for our round uh, what was that 18 wrap uh, going into round 19 of the season the big the pointy end of the um, season and lots of shuffling and things still to happen um, can't wait to see how it all pans out we'll yeah, be back at you guys Thursday morning uh, for our round 19 preview all the big guns should be back on deck after being rested for origin and look forward to seeing you then bye see you. Thank you for tuning in to Six Again. Connect with the show on Twitter, Instagram, and the Six Again website. All links via the show's bio. Be sure to check out Adam's craft beer choice of the week.